This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Tonight, the warrant that authorized the unprecedented search of former President Trump's Florida home has been unsealed. The revealing new details, 11 sets of classified documents seized, some labeled top secret, as we learn the Justice Department is investigating Trump for potentially violating the Espionage Act. CBS's Robert Costa talks with his former national security advisor. I don't think he fully appreciated the significance of the classification procedures. Salman Rushdie attacked. The author stabbed in western New York. Rushdie medevaced to a hospital. The suspect in custody. Our Nikki Batiste talks to an eyewitness. I think we were all in a kind of state of shock. Polio scare in the Empire State. Health officials concerned about the virus spreading and urging people to take precautions. If people fail to become vaccinated or immunized against polio, they're susceptible to this potentially deadly virus. And remembering Anne Heche, one week after she suffered a traumatic brain injury in a car accident, what her family is saying tonight. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Nancy Cordes in for Nora. Tonight, a federal judge has unsealed the warrant that authorized the search of former President Donald Trump's Florida home, Mar-a-Lago. The records reveal that the FBI recovered 11 sets of classified records, including some documents labeled top secret. The warrant also indicates that the FBI is investigating Trump for potential violations of the Espionage Act. The warrant says that agents were told to look for signs that official records had been altered, destroyed or concealed. 
Sources tell CBS News that investigators initially issued a subpoena for the records back in the spring. We're also learning more about the suspect killed in yesterday's attempted breach of an FBI field office in Ohio. CBS's Jeff Pegues will have that, but CBS's Robert Costa will start us off tonight with the unsealing of that search warrant. Good evening, Robert. Good evening, Nancy. Former President Trump didn't fight the release of these documents, and after five days of tumultuous back and forth between the Justice Department and the former president, today we finally got a look detailing what the FBI carried out of Trump's residence in Florida. The court papers obtained by CBS News and unsealed today show the FBI seized more than 20 boxes, some containing classified documents marked top secret and above. And according to sources, the material likely includes highly sensitive communication intercepts. The FBI also took handwritten notes, two photo binders, information about the president of France, and a document about the pardoning of Trump ally Roger Stone. The list of seized materials runs three pages. A federal magistrate approved a warrant to search the former president's home one week ago Friday. And on Monday morning, the FBI executed the search. The warrant seeks documents related to the national defense, a possible violation of the Espionage Act, mishandling classified information, and also cites possible destruction of government property. How did Trump handle classified documents? John Bolton, now a Trump critic, served as his national security advisor. Well, I thought he handled them carelessly. I don't think he fully appreciated the significance of the classification procedures. The FBI was authorized to search Trump's office and all storage rooms or areas in which boxes or documents could be stored, which included most of the 17-acre estate. Guest suites were off limits. In a statement, the former president said the document seized were, quote, declassified and that he would have provided them if asked. On Capitol Hill, Republicans continued to voice concern about the FBI search. And I want to know why they didn't just ask him for it. And if they did, did he not comply? I mean, that, that, that would be a very simple question to answer. Democrat Jamie Raskin is a member of the January 6th committee. Donald Trump is a one-man crime wave. Trump's handling of classified documents has been the subject of a months-long federal probe, marked by a grand jury subpoena issued this spring, then a June meeting between investigators and Trump's lawyers. And now, Monday's search. Why do you think he took potentially sensitive documents back to Florida after the presidency? Because he thought he could get away with it. And Robert Costa is back with us now. Robert, the president says that all of these documents were declassified, the former president, that is. If that's the case, wouldn't there be some record of it? This is going to be a matter, Nancy, of legal wrangling in the coming days, a battle over classification. But as the Warren states, there are other laws at issues here that are not just about how documents were handled and how they were classified, but about which documents were taken down to Florida. Still new details coming out every day on this, and you're on top of it. Robert Costa, thank you so much. Tonight, CBS News has confirmed the suspect killed during yesterday's attempted breach of an FBI field office in Ohio was known to investigators before the attack. We're also learning more about the violent political rhetoric that may have inspired him. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. After January 6th, Navy and National Guard veteran Ricky Shiver said that he was at the Capitol during the attack. In his social media post, he wrote, I was there. 
while he was not among the more than 860 people charged. After the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago, the 42-year-old from Columbus posted on Trump's Truth Social. This time we must respond with force and later wrote, if you don't hear from me, it is true I tried attacking the FBI. This week, Trump supporters have taken to social media to criticize the Justice Department's actions. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis called the FBI search the weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's political opponents. Congressman Paul Gosar wrote, we must destroy the FBI. Yesterday, Schiffer tried but failed to breach security at an FBI field office in Cincinnati. He was armed with a nail gun and an AR-15 style weapon. When law enforcement caught up to him, negotiations failed. A shootout ensued and he was killed. Tom O'Connor is a former FBI agent. This is a very dangerous time and uh, I hope that uh, we, can, we can slow this down and stop the, uh, the rhetoric which is gonna cause uh, violent actions against FBI agents or FBI employees. We learned late today that the FBI had gotten a tip that Ricky Schiffer could pose a threat, but they didn't have anything specific or credible. Still, they tried to track him down unsuccessfully until yesterday's deadly shootout. Nancy. Jeff Pegay is at the Justice Department. Thank you. Now to that chaotic scene in western New York where author Salman Rushdie was stabbed by a man who stormed the stage just as Rushdie was beginning a lecture. Rushdie has faced death threats from Iran for decades. We get more now from CBS's Nikki Batiste. This was the scene shortly before 11 a.m., right after the moment a man was tackled after allegedly stabbing Salman Rushdie on stage just as he was about to speak in Chautauqua, New York. Stephen Davies witnessed the attack. They got maybe 10 seconds into their introduction when an assailant uh, jumped out of the audience onto the stage. He had a black mask and immediately began pummeling Salman Rushdie. 75-year-old Rushdie was apparently stabbed in the neck and abdomen. A number of people rushed to his aid. The award-winning author was medevaced to an area hospital where he is undergoing surgery. Did the attackers say anything? Not that I heard. Rushdie's writings are considered by many Muslims to be blasphemous. His 1988 novel, Satanic Verses, led to the supreme leader of Iran calling for his execution. Rushdie was living with a bounty on his head, now worth over $3 million. You have to defend things you don't agree with. Otherwise, what is free speech if it's only for people that you sort of agree with? Today, police say they are working with the FBI on the investigation. The suspect seen here was identified as 24-year-old Haiti Matar from New Jersey. He had a, a pass to access the grounds just the way any other patron would have. The interviewer who was on stage with Rushdie has minor facial injuries. Authorities would not comment on a possible motive and say they are working to confirm the suspect acted alone. Nancy. So tragic. Nikki Batiste in New York. Thank you. Tonight, New York City's health department is urging pediatricians to immediately identify and schedule appointments for children who are behind on their polio shots. The virus has now been detected in sewage samples in the nation's largest city. Here's CBS's Elaine Quijano. Public health officials are warning the presence of polio virus in New York City's wastewater means the disease is likely circulating locally. 
They're urging those unvaccinated to get immunized immediately. In New York City, 86% of kids five and under have received three doses of the vaccine. But in some areas, that number drops below 60%. This comes just three weeks after a man was paralyzed with polio in Rockland County, New York, the U.S.'s first case in nine years. Officials fear hundreds could be infected. The likely culprit? Vaccine hesitance. The polio vaccination rate in Rockland County is just 60 percent, compared to the nearly 79 percent statewide. Polio used to disable thousands, mostly children, each year, but was largely eradicated in America through mass vaccination programs starting in the 1950s. Doctors say people need to be proactive about making sure it doesn't spread. If we can go back to having very, very high standards with regard to making sure that people are vaccinated and making sure that the immunization rates are better. Uh, that's our best method of protection. Officials in Rockland County have opened vaccination clinics to make getting a vaccine easier. But Nancy, it's not just a problem here. London has also detected polio in wastewater and officials are encouraging about one million children there to get a booster. A vaccine that has been safe and effective for decades. Elaine Quijano, thank you. Back here in Washington, President Biden scored another major victory with the passage of a landmark climate, health care and tax bill in the House. It passed this evening strictly along party lines with all Republicans voting against it. CBS's Scott McFarlane has more now on what's in the bill and what it'll mean for you. Months of negotiation, which stalled and derailed several times, finally reached a destination. The motion is adopted. The U.S. House sending a nearly three quarters of a trillion dollar spending plan to President Biden's desk. I'm proud to support this bill because I believe it delivers for the American people. It's also the largest climate change legislation in U.S. history. $369 billion for clean energy programs, including tax credits for those who buy electric cars or make energy efficient upgrades at home more than $300 billion to pay down the deficit, and giving Medicare power to negotiate lower prescription drug prices to help pay for all of it, a 15% tax on major corporations. Finally, you're requiring um, companies that make billions of dollars a year to pay a corporate minimum tax. That money, the fact that some of it is going to deficit reduction, also will help bring down inflation. Which Republicans blistered with criticism. Asking Congress to spend its way out of inflation is like asking a drunk to drink, his, drink himself sober. Democrats named the bill the Inflation Reduction Act, but there's dispute over whether or how soon it'll help do so. Can people expect a bill to have an impact on something as pernicious as inflation quickly? Well, you have to get started. In Morgantown, West Virginia, boutique owner Shannon Dowling says she hopes the bill helps, but says it won't immediately. How quickly it will, you know, actually filter down to us. I'm not sure about that. I do have some hope, but at the same time, I'm definitely cautious. The tax changes and the green energy credits will likely take effect next year. Many of the Medicare provisions won't begin until several years from now, which means the changes in this new law won't kick in until long after President Biden signs it next week. Nancy. Scott McFarlane on Capitol Hill tonight. Thank you. Actor Anne Heche's career spanned three decades. How her family says she'll be remembered when we come back in 60 seconds. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. 
Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We have some sad news tonight about actor Anne Haish. Her family says the 53-year-old has died following last week's horrific car accident in Los Angeles. Here's CBS's Carter Evans. Her career spanned three decades. Anne Heche was defined by her roles on screen and her off screen, and at the time, groundbreaking relationship with Ellen DeGeneres. Last week, Heche was behind the wheel of this horrific crash, her car barreling into a Southern California house, bursting into flames. It took nearly 60 firefighters more than an hour to pull her out. She suffered a catastrophic brain injury. A family spokesperson says she was an organ donor kept on life support while efforts were made to find recipients. Her family said in a statement, today we lost a bright light, a kind and most joyful soul, a loving mother and a loyal friend. Hayes starred in a string of hit films in the 90s opposite Harrison Ford in Six Days, Seven Nights. Don't tell me what I want. Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman in Wag the Dog. If he doesn't get his medications. He's not fine. Hayes had two sons and recently posted this image of them along with the hashtag luckiest mom. Her relationship with Ellen lasted more than three years. The couple broke up in 2000. Heche was also open about her battles with mental illness and what she called a childhood of abuse by her father. The statement from her family cited her bravery for always standing in her truth, spreading her message of love and acceptance. And Anne Heche was still busy in Hollywood. She had at least half a dozen roles in movies and TV shows that still haven't been released. Nancy? Carter Evans, thank you. Up next, Las Vegas gets swamped by flash floods. We'll tell you where the dangerous storms are headed next. Las Vegas is cleaning up today after parts of the city were swamped by a deadly monsoon. One person reportedly drowned in a flood control channel, and a leaky ceiling put a temporary stop to table games at the Planet Hollywood Casino. Flash flood watches and warnings are posted tonight across parts of six states from Wyoming to California, with heavy rain expected in areas parched by drought. Major League Baseball played its second annual Field of Dreams game on Thursday night near the Iowa set of the 1989 baseball classic Field of Dreams. The Chicago Cubs beat the Cincinnati Reds 4-2 on a night that will be remembered for scenes of players in throwback uniforms emerging from a cornfield and father and son baseball greats Ken Griffey and his junior playing catch. On the Road is next as we go behind the plate with a baseball fan's special love for the rules of the game.
It's Friday, and that means on the road. This week, Steve, CBS's Steve Hartman takes us out to the ball game. At a baseball game, where most young fans want nothing more than to meet a real player. This kid, Vincent Steo, stands alone. What's up, man? Vincent idolizes umpires. It's something that we're not really used to, you know, so every fan we can get is a plus. You know, last night uh, there was a time somebody said, put the kid in. <laughs> As we first reported in 2018, Vincent was such a fan of umpires, every game he became one. Stood in the front row at the Carolina Mudcat Stadium near Raleigh, mimicking their moves. He got so into character, even the manager took him seriously coming over to report a lineup change. Zero. Initially, we thought maybe it was like a little bit of a phase type of thing. These are his parents. It's a two-year phase at this I point. Don't know. <laughs> and they say it wasn't just at the stadium. At home, he would stand in front of the TV and do the same routine. He slept next to baseballs autographed by umpires. He even visited an umpire school where he learned the proper way to call a strike, which apparently isn't to say strike. But umpires say hoit. Why do they say hoit? That's what they all do. What is out? Out. Okay. Ball is? Ball. Strike is? <laughs> I think he wanted to throw me out of this interview. Hoit. <laughs> what is the deal? It's been oh, four God. years since we first told this story, and the only thing that has changed is the venue. Vincent now works real Little League games. Tops put him on a baseball card, and he has every intention of making it to the majors one day, which is fine by his parents, as long as he continues to keep his room just as clean as he did his imaginary home plate. Steve Hartman, On the Road, near Raleigh, North Carolina. What a pro. We'll be right back. Finally tonight, a fond farewell at The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Band leader John Batiste is stepping away after seven seasons to pursue other interests. He won five Grammys this year, including Album of the Year. And that is CBS Evening News for tonight. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Nancy Cordes. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Some puzzles are hard to solve. Others are hard to prove. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts.